0: Well, good morning, family. Let's try that again. Good morning, family. There you are. Good to see you guys. You guys glad to be here this morning? Good. Another great week to worship the Lord. Amen. Open your Bibles up if you have them. Open your Bibles to Luke 22. We're going to be camping out there uh, for most of the time uh, in our lesson today. The meal that we're looking at today in Luke 22 is the Lord's Supper. And uh, after the message today, we're going to have a song, and we're going to actually get to eat that meal together as a church. Um, So let's read Luke 22, verses 14 through 23, and I'm going to pray for us. Sound good? All right, good. Luke 22, verse 14, and we'll take it down to uh, 23. And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you that I will not eat it until, the fu- until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not... Drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes and has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. This is the word of God. Let's pray. So, God, we thank you for another day that we get to gather together uh, as the church to worship you, God. And I, I, I just want to begin by praying, uh, Lord. Um, I just want to pray for Paris and France, God. Uh, they've been under a lot, they've been under attack. God, you, and we were, we're learning this today, you are the God who knows suffering. You know a lot about blood. And you know a lot about broken bodies. You know a lot about it intimately. And you are the only God who is king and chose to come down into that for our sake. And so we pray for the uh, church there. We pray for the pastors and small group leaders and missionaries and ministers there that the church would rise up and they would love their neighbors as themselves and that the good news of Jesus, the message of hope would go out even today. And, Lord, that you would take care of them, especially those in Paris. And, Lord, we we do thank you for who you are. It's a wonderful thing that we're getting to celebrate today by coming to your table. You are the God who has suffered uh, with us so that we might live forever with you. And you will come, and you will make all things right. And we say hurry in Jesus' good name. Amen. So, in 1818, at the eleventh hour of the eleventh day of November, after four years of fighting, World War I was ended with a ceasefire agreement. In four years, we had dug more than 2,500 miles. Get this: 2,500 miles of trenches. We had torpedoed U-boats, sunk naval carriers, and marched nearly 65 million men into battle. During that time, we introduced to the world for the very first time unbelievable weapons. Weapons like automatic machine guns, zeppelins that fly silently at night to bomb people, poison gases and motorized armored tanks. The Great War, as it was called, boasted the deaths of over 9 million soldiers. It was hailed to be, quote, the war to end all wars. And the world was devastated in its aftermath. So the following year, on the 11th day, of the 11th month, that'd be November, President Wilson proclaimed First Armistice Day. And November 11th was set aside as a national holiday. It was a day for us to never forget. We call that Veterans Day now. And we just uh, celebrated that last week. So today, we are taking a peek through this passage. We're taking a peek into a home where the disciples and Jesus are celebrating a different type of holiday that was also instituted as a never-forget kind of day for them. It's called the Jewish Passover. Passover was instituted the night before God delivered his people from slavery. So after 400 years of being enslaved to Egypt and the pharaohs, God finally showed up just like he promised. The scripture said that God heard their cries of distress. He saw their suffering and he remembered them and he came down. On the night before... Their deliverance took place. God told them to do something that might seem kind of strange for us. He told them to take a firstborn, perfect male lamb and kill it, and then smear the blood over their door, like at the top of the door and down their doorposts. And then they were supposed to eat it as a meal. And from that one sacrifice, everyone inside the house would be passed over when God's judgment came into the land. And on that night, the Hebrews believed in faith that God had provided a substitute to die in their place. They believed by faith that God was going to deliver them from his judgment and that he was going to rescue them from their slavery, from their bondage, basically. And he did exactly that the next day. He gave them this meal in advance of what he was going to do the next day celebrating the Passover was a way to ensure that the people never forgot that they had once been slaves and they had been graciously delivered by God God is saying don't forget that it's really important for you to remember this it's good for you to remember this you see we as Christ's disciples we are prone to forget the same thing aren't we don't we have really short attention spans don't we have really short memories? We tend to forget the important stuff and remember all the bad stuff, don't we? Maybe that's just me. We are quick to forget that we have been graciously rescued by God out of our slavery from sin and death by the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We forget it. Like, like we have church and we like walk out the door and someone cuts us off and we forget, right? Right? Like, we forget fast, don't we? So Christ gave us the Lord's Supper to remind us of the great deliverance that he has given us. Because we are forgetful people, and we need to be reminded a lot, all the time. So what do we need to remember specifically, though, about this deliverance? What are those things that he wants us to remember? There's three things that I want to highlight just from this passage today. We need to remember his uh, redemption is epic. It's epic. It was costly. And it's for us. It was epic. It was costly. And it's for us. All right? So let's go. Remember, Christ's deliverance is epic. Christ's deliverance is epic. We find this in verse 15 and 16 if you want to turn there. And Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Luke wants us to understand that Jesus is the true and better Passover lamb. Jesus is what the Passover was pointing people towards all those years. And now the time had come, and Jesus is excited about what is getting ready to take place. He can't believe it's finally come. I believe that maybe he's been looking forward to this since before time began, when it was already planned not just the years that he was alive on earth. He's really excited that this meal is finally taking place. In the original language, the sense of this word, this phrase is, with desire have I desired to eat this meal with you. Or even more strongly, you could say, it's with craving that I have craved eating this meal with you. Jesus has been looking forward to the events of this particular night for a really long time. You talk about anticipation. This is some great anticipation. This promise is getting ready to come to fulfillment. In the middle of the Passover celebration, Jesus says he is going to change some things. Something new, something historic is about to happen tonight. Something that he wants them to remember forever. So as great as the deliverance uh, was from the Exodus, it was limited to particular people, in a particular time, in a particular place, from a particular slave master. Okay? The Hebrews were delivered from the most powerful nation in the civilized world at the time, without the use of a single weapon. It's important to remember that part of it too. Jesus knows that what's getting ready to happen after this Passover meal is going to change the course of not just these people's lives, but all of history. Things aren't going to be the same after this night. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. The deliverance that Jesus is getting ready to accomplish on the cross will be for all people in all generations at any time. And not only that, but it is a deliverance from the greatest slave master that people have because it's not limited to a particular place and time and geographical location. It affects all of us. It's a slave master that we struggle with day in and day out. It's a slave master that breeds jealousy and fear and gossip and greed and depression and anxiety and jealousy. It's a slave master of sin and death. And that's over all of us. Galatians 5, verses 1, and then dropping down to 17, says it this way. For freedom Christ has set us free. So stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Immorality, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, and the list goes on. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is what you and I, as disciples of Jesus, this is what we have been Delivered from This is what we have been set free from. Christ accomplished two things at the same time on the cross. He not only freed us from the power of sin and death, but he also brought us into fellowship with himself. Because of Christ's death, we will live with him in his kingdom. Christ doesn't just say that he wants to eat this meal. What's it say? He says, I earnestly... Desire to eat this meal with you in the kingdom. Now, isn't that amazing? Jesus, the Son of God, says, "I Are you getting this? I don't think you're getting this. I mean, you don't look like you're getting it. I, with craving, have craved to eat this meal with you. Luke is telling us to look beyond the cross. Look at the cross, but also beyond the cross to the coming kingdom. There's a banquet. There's a banquet. God wants to be in a relationship with us, oh, by the way, forever. The picture isn't just of God saving us from danger, and then once he's put us kind of like out of harm's way, dusts us off, shakes our hand, and says have a nice day, and leaves us on our own to fend for ourselves, although that would would be good, that would be a good act, right? That wouldn't be a wicked act, that would be a good gracious act. That's not the picture of what we see here. The picture in the upper room is more like Jesus rescuing us from certain danger than bringing us into his own home. Upon entering, we realize, wow, he's prepared an elaborate hot meal for us. And then when the meal's over, we turn around to find that he's built an extra room himself onto the side of his house so that we can live with him forever rent-free. That is more like the picture that we see in this scripture passage. Jesus doesn't just want to rescue you from danger. He wants to bring you into his peace with him. That's the kind of deliverance I'm talking about here. Jesus doesn't just want to save you from momentary death and then, oh, well, he needs to save you again and then again and then again. He doesn't just want to save you from momentary death. He wants to bring you into never-stopping life with him. And it's only with him. You don't get the gift and not the giver, right? You get the giver, you get the gift our God is a true deliverer full tilt deliverer our God has delivered us from danger so that we can spend the rest of eternity in fellowship with him and with one another and no other God has done that for us that is what makes Christ's deliverance epic we need to remember this when we come to his table to eat his meal he wants us to remember this it's good for us We need to remember also that Christ's deliverance was costly. His deliverance was costly. Let's look at verse 19 and 20 in Luke. And he took the bread, this is Jesus, and he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. It cost Christ a lot to free us from sin and death. Amen? Cost him a lot. A lot. He paid a high price. Just as he broke the bread before giving it to his disciples, his own body was broken crucifixion was death by torture and the romans were experts at it jesus died a cruel death so that we could live with him forever i just want you to think for a minute about the gift it's an expensive gift isaiah prophesied hundreds of years before Christ was even born, about the kind of death he was going to die in Isaiah 52, 14. Listen to this. Listen, listen, listen. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance in his form beyond that of the children of mankind. The beating that Jesus experienced at the hands of wicked men was so severe that he stopped looking like a human. He started to look subhuman. Okay? His insides were out. You understand what I'm saying? Not recognizable. Okay? The cross of Christ visibly shows us in the world what sin looks like, what sin does. It's what that was showing the world. Sin makes us less than human. Are you tracking with me? Sin destructively Decreates us Okay It decreates us It Separates Sin disintegrates things that were designed To hold together It separates it and breaks it apart It brings death To everything that it touches The only way that Jesus could deliver You and I From that kind of power Okay The only way that he could deliver us from the power of sin and the power of death and decay was to take our sin on himself in his body. It was to let him infect him, if you will, to get inside him, right? He let sin do to him in the matter of a few hours what sin would normally do in the course of a lifetime. Paul says this in Romans 8, 3. This is how great the gospel of Jesus is, guys. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. Here's how. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Listen, he condemned sin. He con- it's, it's a curious way of putting it. He condemned sin in the flesh. When we look at the bread, when we taste the bread, we are remembering that Jesus absorbed the destructive force of sin in his body so that sin would no longer have power over us in our body. There's an exchange. There's an exchange that took place. Okay, It's a wonderful thing. We are no longer slaves to sin in our body. The stuff that we used to had to do, we don't have to do anymore. We can and we do, but we don't have to do it like we had to do it. We're free. Why are we free? Just because someone said so? No, because someone did something. Someone did something. There was also a great cost that Christ paid in regard to the cup. Jesus says, this cup, this cup that is poured out for you. Here's my question. What was in the cup? What's in the cup? That's what we need to know. What is in the cup? In the Bible, the wrath of God is described as the cup of his judgment. I'll just give you one example from the Bible in Jeremiah. There's several, but here's just one for the sake of time, okay? Jeremiah 25:15. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, he said to me, Take from my hand, that's the Lord's hand, Take from my hand this cup of the wine of wrath, and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. The cup that Jesus drank was the wrath of God. God must judge sin because it is destructive, just like World War I. No one's unscathed by whatever it touches. It disintegrates and decreates. Everything God has created and said was good, and he hates that. So he's going to judge sin. He has to if he's a good, fair, just, and loving God. He's going to judge that. So either we pay with our blood or a substitute pays with their blood. But it must be paid. It can't just be passed over and excused and say, oh well, I forgive it. Jesus not only took the effects of sin on his body, listen, but he also took the punishment for those sins. On the cross, God took the cup of his righteous wrath and he poured the entire contents out full strength. On Jesus Christ until it crushed the life out of them. That was what's going on. On the cross. Again Isaiah says this about Christ's sacrifice. In Isaiah 53 verses 4 and verse 10. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried whose sorrows? Our sorrows. They weren't his sorrows. He carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten, my God and afflicted. Yet we looked at that and we said huh, God hates him. Right? Verse 10. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put t- him to grief. Listen, for those of us that have placed our trust in Jesus, we, this means something for us, and it's really important. For those of us that have put our hope and our trust in Jesus, this is what it means. That we will never experience the wrath of God. Ever. Not even a little bit. There wasn't a drop left in the cup when God poured it on him. That means something. That's the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ has graciously experienced the whole total full wrath of God. So you can experience his total full peace, the peace of God. You don't have to worry if that's coming to you if you've put your faith and trust in what Jesus has done. Amen? We have fellowship with him now. We eat the body, we drink the cup, we remember the cost that Jesus paid to deliver us from sin and death, and so we've got fellowship with him forevermore. Nobody else loves us like that. Okay? Nobody loves us like that. Nobody says, yeah, all this stuff you're about ready to get busted for, I'll take that to that level nobody does that no other god no career no loved one i mean not even your mom sorry moms not even your mom is going to do that for you nobody loves us to that level to pay that kind of a cost to drink from the cup that jesus drank from that is some love you know what guys it's easy for us to be amazed at how much stuff costs today. Isn't it? It's easy. Do you remember, the, you remember the cost of the wedding ring that you bought for your spouse? It may not have been a lot, but it was a lot for you. Do you know what I'm saying? It cost you a lot. You remember that? I remember that. you remember the cost of your college tuition? Some of you do. Some of you still paying on that, right? You know what that costs. That costs a lot. Do you remember the, the cost of your house? the mortgage, after everybody else kind of got their hand in your money and you finally got that house? Do you remember how much that cost? We are able to quickly recall the cost of things, aren't we? Like, like the number is like right there. You don't even have to think about it. It's, it's not even in the back of your mind. It's just Somehow you can just dial that number right up pretty quick, right? I know how much that costs. I know how, how much that will cost for us to do that and to build that and have that. Everything costs so much, we can't believe it. We can't believe how much gas costs. We can't believe how much we're getting taxed. Everything's going up but the wages, right? We know that. It's the thing we think about every single day. And what happens is that we are prone to forget the high cost that Jesus paid to deliver us from death and bring us into his kingdom. We tend to lump the price of our salvation in with the price of our mortgage. Like they're somehow in the same category or something. And God forgive us of that because, Crossway, they're not even related, right? They're not even like second cousins, right? But we are forgetful people. We don't remember this. Our God spared no expense, He used no coupon, He didn't ask for any kind of a discount. He paid the full price for all of our sins for all time. Thank you very much. And he paid with the most expensive materials in the universe. His own body. His own perfect body. And his own divine blood. This is what we must remember when we come to the Lord's table. And it should cause us to smile. should cause us to be thankful. In fact, those are great words to be on your mouth. Thank you, Savior. Thank you I want you to remember this too Remember that Christ's deliverance Is for you His deliverance is for you Yes You Verses 21 through 23 Heavy verses but they Tell us something so sweet But behold the hand of him who betrays me Is with me On the table For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. And they begin to question one another which of them it could be who is going to do this. So we talked about what Christ's deliverance is, and we've talked about what his deliverance costs. But who is this deliverance for? Who is it for? It's for his disciples. It was for his disciples. It was his disciples that were in the room with him. And this meal is for anyone that is his disciple. It's for those that have placed their trust in Christ. As both their master and as their Passover lamb. Their savior and redeemer. On the night that Christ was to be betrayed, he served his disciples. Isn't that crazy? On the night that, his, that he was going to be betrayed, he worked for their salvation. On the night that his followers would be ashamed that they ever even knew him, he loved them. The Apostle John says it this way, he loved them to the end. Jesus breaks the bread and said, I did this for you. Yes, you. You. And guys, these are fair-weather followers, aren't they? Right? They're half-hearted disciples. At best, they're half-hearted disciples. I mean, they talk a really good game about being committed to Jesus forever. I'm going to go to you to the end. They threaten to kill me? No problem. I love Jesus. I'm a Christian. That's what they were saying. That's what they were bragging about. They were talking about that. Right? I'll change whatever you want me to change, Master. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you say. Even the hard stuff, I'll do the hard stuff. I'll do it. All the way to the end. They talk a really good game, but they don't have a lot of follow through, do they? These are the guys at the table with him. These are the ones he said, I earnestly, I crave with craving to have this meal with you. That's amazing. That's amazing. He had prepared them for this night in advance, he had taught them all the Bible lessons, he showed them all the miracles. They had enough information about Jesus to follow him. It wasn't like they didn't know enough. He told them everything that they needed to know to follow him. But they just didn't have the power they needed to stay awake. They didn't have the power they needed to overcome the power of sin. Jesus was going to be faithful to them, even though he already knew they were going to be faithless to him. What a Savior! What a God! Jesus pours out the wine in the cup, and he hands it to them, and he said, I did this. I did this for you. Yes, you. Jesus knows that you and I have betrayed him. He knows that we've abandoned him when the chips were down and times were hard. He knows that we've denied him and we've gone our own way, and he already knows, get this, he already knows that you're going to do it tomorrow. Like he already knows that. And yet he gives his life for our life anyway. Like he knows what he's doing and he does it anyway. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're a disciple of Jesus, then you need to understand this meal in a personal way. Jesus knows who you really are. Like he knows who you are really are like what you really like and who you really hate and what you really think and what you really don't like he knows who you really are okay but we don't have our church clothes on and the smile on are you, am I getting into people's neighborhoods I hope so like he knows who you really are and he loves you anyway he loves you He loves you. When you and I come to this table, he looks you in the eye and said, I did this for you. Yes, you. Only repentant sinners are welcome at this meal. Not holier than thou's. Do not let your sin keep you from his grace. Do not think that you need to clean yourself up and get yourself ready and then you can take his grace don't do it because it's a trap you'll never come <laughs> you'll never come Charles Spurgeon a great Baptist preacher said this You are taught by this institution that the very best way in which you can remember Christ is by receiving Him. Oh, the sweetness of that truth. If you will remember it, if you will remember it when you come to this table. You are not asked to bring bread with you. It is here. (laughs) I love these words. You are not asked to bring a cup with you. It is already here provided. What have you to do? Nothing But to eat And to drink You have to be receivers And nothing more Well now whenever you want to remember Your Lord and master you need not say I must do something for him No no let him Do something for you Crossway Communion is not something that you Do for God it is something To remind you that he has done Something for you Something epic and something costly for you. Oh, how we need this physical, visible reminder from the Lord often because we're forgetful people. So only come to the Lord's table if you are in need of forgiveness. Only come if your hands are empty. He'll fill them with bread and the cup. Only come here if you don't deserve to be here. Come and receive the grace of Jesus. Will you do that today? I hope you will. I love you guys. Can I pray for you? Okay. Jesus, We thank you, thank you, thank you for your great love for us that you gave at a very expensive cost to yourself. Lord, I just would ask that even now your spirit is moving in our hearts, that you would take these truths and you press it deep into our heart. Help us not be ashamed to say, I need you. Lord, I just ask that you would speak to our hearts today and that you would change our lives today. Help us rejoice in the good news of Jesus. You've taken our penalty. You've taken our punishment. You've given us life. You've given us forgiveness. You've given us a home. You've given us hope. You've given us a future. Look at all you've given us. We say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, at the end of the time, uh, we're going to sing a song, and we're going to take uh, the Lord's Supper. But at the end of the service, uh, Pastor John and I, we're going to be right here to pray for you. If you need some prayer, our elders are going to be here in the back. They're going to be here to pray for you. I uh, just want to make that available. That's one of our ways. We want to serve you today. We love you guys, okay?
1: So you can see we're doing communion a little differently today. They won't be passing the plates for you. But you'll have a chance after I sing the song here to come and come to the table. Uh, so come when you're ready to come to the table. You may want to sit there and just talk to God first. Talk to him about where is he in your life? Well, come when you're ready. Take
0: So, I'm not going to repeat everything that, that I've already preached on, because uh, we don't need two sermons today. Amen? Amen. Um, but, but this is a meal that the Lord uh, has given to us to remember Him. Okay, this is memory food. This is memory food, all right? It's to help with our memory. Uh, this table is open to all that are disciples of Jesus. Um, we want you to Come. Uh, it's to remind us of our gracious savior and our great deliverance and we're blessed every time as a church as we partake of this meal and so uh, our elders are here there's a station here and a station here and right here Um, and they're here to serve you okay so come when you're ready Uh, after a few minutes uh, I'm going to come back up and, and close our close the table okay with a prayer you hey guys. Pray with me. Oh, Jesus, we are so thankful delivering us from the power of sin that it has no power over our life anymore. Not because we wish it so, not because we hope it so, but because it is so your cross and empty tomb prove that to us thank you lord for how you desire to eat this meal with us and live with us forever and us live with you forever god change us change us lord we pray we thank you for all your blessings that you've given to us in jesus christ the new life that you've given to us in jesus christ the hope that you've given us in jesus christ We thank you for all of it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen.